Hey, want to jump in here and just bring back up episode 250, Toys for Tots campaign put together by Seller Labs. It is such a great opportunity. I was with the seller on Friday. Uh, their team is working on it. I'm very, very excited. This is a chance for you to use the skills that you personally have developed. You've got sourcing muscles. Not many other people have it. And this is a chance where we can take and use our skills to help those less fortunate. All the information's on episode 250. Such a great cause. Give back, give back, give back this time of year. Thanks. Hope your Q4 is going good. It's a great time to be selling and sell a lot. Watch your repricers. I just got whacked on one, lost $15 a unit. I didn't lose. I'd have lost in profit because I should have blocked one. Wasn't paying attention, so please do. Let me tell you about a couple sponsors. Um, you know, Scope from Seller Labs. If you're not using it to even just to take your wholesale accounts, of course you got to use it for private label, right? You need to understand the keyword. You want to understand a keyword, go look at your competitors, get their keywords, and then use them. That's smart business, right? Because they already have proven that proof of concept. But take the same approach to your wholesale accounts. Make sure that those keywords are in there. If not, upload those changes. Many times you can't, but many times you can't. Take advantage. Scope from Seller Labs. Go to sellerlabs.com slash scope. Use the code word momentum. Save a few bucks. Get a few keywords. Get your listings found. Got to find that keyword and scope will be the product that will help you there. Solutions for e-commerce. Karen Locker, you know, again, you hear me talk about her because she is my account manager. She's been doing a great job. Again, I had some stranded listings and I noticed them down there on the bottom right-hand corner. They're gone. I look back and they're gone and I see stuff submitted. I see stuff returned. It's such a great process because I don't have to pay attention to that. I can pay attention to the other parts of our business. Solutions for e-commerce slash momentum will save you 50 bucks. Lowest price she offers and you still get the inventory health report. Take a look at it. Get set up for 2018 now. Tell Karen I sent you. When you're thinking about um, Q4 lists and I hope you don't use them just Q4. I hope you use them all year long. Again, you want to learn how to fish, right? And so the best thing to do when you're buying a list is look at what they're doing and how they're doing it and then figure that out on your own. That's the approach that Gay Lisby uses in her million-dollar arbitrage list. It is closed for the rest of this year. However, I have asked them and they have said they would do it. If there's an opening, they will pull from the wait list. Okay, so I have the link out on my uh, site on this episode that'll have a, uh, a link that'll take you right onto the wait list. So get on the wait list if there's something that you're interested. Remember, she's going to give you a seven-day free trial, so there's nothing to lose. But then once you get in there, take advantage. Learn how to fish, right? Sharpen your tool, you know, sharpen your skills, I guess is the right phrase I should use. Okay, so again, I have that link out on this episode, so jump out there and get on that list. You know, GoDaddy and uh, Grasshopper are both national sponsors of the show. I'm very fortunate. Um, I have a third one coming on in February. I'm very excited about that. But GoDaddy, I use them uh, just with somebody who had a great idea for an, uh, for a domain, and I'm like, use my link, save 30%. 30%. Yes, they pay me. We all know that. However, 30% is real. I use it myself because I want to save the 30%. So it's trygodaddy.com slash momentum right? Try godaddy.com slash momentum and you're going to save 30%. Grasshopper's the same deal. Try grasshopper.com slash momentum and you're going to save 50 bucks. Um, I saw somebody else just signed up for it. The service makes you 
a professional. All of a sudden, your business has a phone number, has a vanity phone number. You can kind of create your own one if it's available. But you don't need a second phone. And I think that's the big thing. It's not Google Voice, which is choppy. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. This is professional stuff. Press 1 for customer service. Press 2 for my Amazon account manager, which would go to Karen's team. I mean, this is a great opportunity. So it's trygrasshopper.com slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 257, Barb Sistek. Get ready for a cool story. She marries into the business. She improves the business. He accepts the help. Now, that's a marriage that is working. Great story. Love it, love it, love it. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest. Um, I love the story. I'm always about a story, and I love a story, and their story is quite interesting, and I think, um, more importantly, the execution of their story, their sales techniques um, is probably one of the best that I've seen. Um, Very, very impressive, and clearly, clearly, um, this powerful duo, of which I have one, um, really knows what they're doing. So please welcome Barb Sistek. Welcome, Barb. Hi there, Steve. Thanks. And we, you and I met in Chicago, and somebody was like, that you've got to talk with this uh, uh, person because she'll blow you away. And you did. You did blow me away. And when I went out to your website, I was like, wow. I mean, clearly, there's an artiste in the family. Clearly, somebody has, a, has an eye for marketing or you know what people want. I mean, is that you or your husband? Well, we, we work together. So um, he is uh, the uh, authority on our niche, which is the vintage uh, license, license plates. Um, I have a background in marketing and uh, journalism and communication. So it kind of blends together very well. Hmm. So journalism. So you were going to be, we used to call them, because I came from that business, the poets. Um, they used to come to me and say, Steve, the poets need more money. The poets need more money. Um, and that was always the uh, little tease between the editor and myself. So you went to school for journalism, I, I guess? I did. I did. I did. And um thought I was going to be a journalist. I found out, though, I had more interest and more of a better knack for marketing. So I migrated into marketing after several years being a writer and a, an editor. What were you going to, what, what drove you to journalism though? Was there, you know, when you're growing up, was there stories or sometimes there's, you know, writers that you follow? Uh, were you a big reader? Um, you know what, drove, I mean, I'm not, you know, I grew up a long time ago. So <laughs> you know, expectations for women in the time that I grew up Ooh. were very limited. You were going to be a secretary. My, my, my wife tells the story. Her father came from Italy, says uh, you could be a secretary. That was his whole world. He either knew moms or secretaries. That was it. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was the outline for me. I could either be a secretary or a gym teacher. Okay. And I didn't want to be either one of those. Um, so I looked around and thought, well, where could I break in somewhere that's not either of those? And the journalism um, inspired me. I had a, a, a nice 
writing teacher in high school that, you know, appreciated what I could bring to um, an essay. So I, I went off that way. Hmm. So they and uh, so you you were inspired by them, but they encouraged it. So you had they, a gift for writing. Yes, they encouraged it. And it was, you know, a couple of different teachers. You know, you have your own style and some like it and some don't. But So I really was encouraged by the ones that liked it and just followed that. Hmm. You know, uh, that skill set, though, um, you know, is great to be, you know, in today's day and age, you can be anything, right? Copywriting is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. but lawyers, big written thing, or used to be mm-hmm. anyway. Now it's maybe being able to search, uh, you know, the, on the Internet. But, but it used to be, right? So a lot of lawyers took journalism as a base um, and that's a very sound thing. Copywriting is in huge demand right now, especially. I mean, it's just huge demand for e-commerce because it's an art to get a paragraph to read well. It is. It is. And I have found that that background has served me very well in, in my e-commerce business because uh, I'm not afraid to sit down and you know write a piece of copy. And uh, I certainly know how to do it. So it, it does help. It helps tremendously. I don't have to struggle and I don't have to outsource it. Where did you learn the um, the art side of it? Because when I look at the website, it's very pleasing. I mean, it's just very, very pleasing. Even your eBay store, it's very pleasing. You can clearly see that stuff isn't just put there. You know, the fact, I mean, for example, and I'm gonna, the website is licenseplategarage.com, and somebody should go look at the homepage first. And when <laughs> you look there, just the way the pictures are tilted, just the shadows that I see that give depth to the pictures, what I'm looking at, gift givers. Uh, I'm just, little things like that, that's intentional, correct? Yes, it is intentional, It's you know, to make it dynamic. Um, I do have an art background as well, but that came much later. It was somewhere in the 90s. I, for some reason, decided I was going to be an artist. So um, I went to my local college and said, I'm signing up for art classes. And they said, okay. So I just kept going with that for several years. So that also helps very much with my e-commerce business so I can have that good eye. Did you end up as a journalist at a newspaper or a magazine yeah. or something? Yes, I did. I, When I started out um, actually going to a little weekly in southern Florida, and that's where my first journalism job, and then I um, went to you know, several, we bounced around different newspapers and came to um, the Chicago area, that's where I'm from, and was the editor of a magazine before um, um, that I before I went into some marketing at a software development company oh wow so an editor's role is a much different role than a journalist's role that's a that's a skill set in itself being able to take somebody else's content and figure out what they're trying to say and say it more concise tight consistent right that's one of the big things about editing consistency right Consistency, clarity of message, um, flow, uh, accuracy, grammar, spelling. <laughs> you know, as you're sitting there telling that story, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, you are prepared perfectly for uh, the content portion of an e-commerce world, period. Now, I do have a lot of background in content creation. It's just funny. Uh, were you married at this point? Which point? Uh, Well, as we move through your career, because where I'm going is you meet a guy who has all this inventory based on jumping ahead in the story a little bit. But is this like a match made in heaven? I mean, is like, is that the way when the roads merge right there? It's like the perfect world. No, it didn't quite happen quite like that. Uh, 
we were both uh, previously married to um, other people. Uh, we have both of our former spouses have passed away, so okay, uh, we we can jump way ahead. By no, time. we don't have to. I, I just okay. it just fascinates me because you know jumping ahead to the story, it, you know the inventory guy meets the perfect person who's been perfectly groomed for the e-commerce world. I mean, it's just fascinating. Okay, so I don't want to get there yet because okay. uh, I want to hear I want to hear how you get there. So, so you you jump into marketing and software. Now, you suggested that you've been around for a while. What year would that have been approximately? Software. Well, I was I was software. I started in um, about 1983. Uh, 1983. Oh my goodness. And this, is, this is rare software. This is way back. This is like, you know, your first personal computer was a 40-pound compact. So, and you had to know DOS. But I came from, actually before that, I was working at a newspaper. And the newspapers in those days, in the late 70s, early 80s, were using computers to set their type. So that's actually maybe the first exposure, and um, which delighted me tremendously because I, I couldn't type accurately. I'd always make a mistake, so it would just drive me crazy. So when I got on the computer, I could easily correct it, and, and that kind of like inspired my confidence to move forward in the writing world. So uh, I, after I moved out of that and got more into marketing, I was um, writing PR pieces, freelancing a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I got hooked up with um, writing software manuals because nobody in those days could write a software manual oh or understand software. Wait, so, you're right. You're one of the responsible for those thousand bazillion yeah. page books with <laughs> yes, a million yeah. things that I can't read. I mean, I, I you know, yeah. half a half a page in, I'm like, all right, I'm done. That's it. I, yep. I know the rest of the book, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> nobody ever is that is that discouraging? I mean, one of the big things about a journalist, right? They always wanted to be the you know the New York Times reporter. That was what they're going to do, right? They were they were going to go break the story in Washington, and so. You know, you want your stuff read, and it was always pretty cool when somebody say, "Oh man, I love what you write," or whatever. Now you're writing software manuals where you know there's never going to be a person that reads it. I mean, there might be two guys that don't come out of their house. You're never going to hear from them, other than correcting your grammar or your spelling, right? Or they got it uh, wrong somewhere. Yeah. Is that is that <laughs> like, doesn't that, say that anymore? <laughs> that's, that's opposite ends of the earth here. You know where you're going. Well, you know what that was all that was all about the money because that was very lucrative at the time because nobody did it. So you right. could charge a high hourly rate. So I was all over that. And you were freelancing, so you really, you know, that that would be very attractive, right? Cuz nobody wanted to hire that person. Right. A, yeah. because those type of people we don't want working in our place, right? They're no. scary. <laughs> and, but uh to be able to find one. So that that is a skill set very uh very few, very thin group of people that that have that because I assume the technical side is pretty, especially back then, was really, really complicated. It was just very dry. It was more for the end user and not so much for the, it was to translate the tech guys to the end user. So it was very dry that way before um, software instructions and manuals became you know, more fun. So it was, I could I could do the translation. So that you could speak geek. You spoke geek. At, the, at that time. You know, I couldn't, I can't do it anymore, but at that time, it was more limited than it is today. Yeah, for sure. But that's still uh, very impressive. Okay, so so we're moving on. We're now writing manuals. To mm-hmm. you. I mean, they're massive too, right? I mean, so we're talking massive. Yeah. 
Um, so you're going through that, and you're trying to make it so the reasonable person can understand it. I am. And uh, are you working from home at this point, or did you have an office? I was working from home at that point. The freedom yeah. uh, versus, I mean, depending what kind of journalism you did. You know, if you sat on the uh, obit desk, you had no freedom. If you sat, if you were a reporter, you know, you might have had a lot of freedom. What mm-hmm. was it that was attractive to you for, other than money, and we already said that money, so I'm assuming that's one of the big drivers. But what was it that was attractive to you about the, the freelance world? Well, I think I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, and I've always wanted to do that, and that was one way I could, and it was a skill I had, and, you know, you hear about the glamorous world of the freelancers, and I thought I was going to have a glamorous job, so that's why I kind of went that direction. You could go to work in your sweats, right? Isn't that the big dream of everyone? Go to work in your sweats and don't have to worry. (laughs) You know, thinking about that, though, again, this is preparing you. Because um, once you do get a taste of the freedom, and I understand it's not as glamorous. Uh, we live this life, right? Uh, very lonely, actually. But, oh, yeah. but once you get a taste of it, did you become unemployable or did you go back for another swing at the job market? No, I didn't become unemployable because, um, you know, freelancing, like you mentioned, it was very lonely. And also mm-hmm. the cash flow was very up and down. So I had... And I also had a son, and I needed a place. I needed our own home, and I needed a little bit more stability. So I uh, found a job, actually, at a software company, and they were offering me a part-time writing and uh, software beta testing job. And I thought, well, this will be perfect. I can do both. So I went to work for this software development company 20 hours a week and then freelance the other 20. And so this was an office in Chicago you physically went to? Yeah, it wasn't in Chicago, but it was in the Chicago area. Yeah, okay. I physically okay. went to it. <laughs> wow. So Chicago um, software companies exist or existed back then. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. That's interesting. So because um, everybody wanted to be in Silicon Valley, especially then, right? That's when it was driving there. So you uh, went to work uh, part-time, and what was it like? You know, because that's interesting, you, you know, being free, being independent, um, that part of it, not the inconsistent pay, but going back to work in an office, which I assume was a little more, no, this software is probably not as formal, probably not real, uh, you know, uh, button down ties and stuff like that. Maybe. Am I correct? No, you're correct. It was, it was not buttoned down at all. It was very, um, I don't know how to describe it. It was a, it was a different culture. Uh, supportive uh, a lot of people there that supported each other it was a growing company it was a new company so a lot of creatives right a lot of a creatives. Lot of, a lot of creativity and a lot of encouragement to expand beyond your boundaries and try new things um, it was uh, actually a good place for me because it did allow me a lot of freedom to try different roles in the company did you learn? I mean, uh, you know, journalism is an accurate, you know, business. It, there's right or wrong, period. You know, depending on unless they change a, a style, it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? Did you? Uh, so you already had that skill set, that accuracy thing. But now you're in this software environment, and I guess the technical world would be very specific too, right? Uh, very format, uh, uh, formulated, very uh, formal. I guess it would be. Now you're in this creative side of it. Did you lose a little bit or did you gain 
because of the documentation for process. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Um, I certainly, I think I gained a lot in the documentation of process, but at that particular point, you know, everything was evolving so fast, mm. including documentation, that you had to leave the old behind and get on with the new. I mean, now we have videos. And that's the only way you get a document, you know, online. There we went from all print with every every screenshot illustrated to let's talk about how to use it in a friendly way. Let's do some application ideas to, you know, we're going to get the book down to 10 pages, one page, and then finally to um, – know where we are today which is all online right so you're helping reduce touch point you know if you think about it, and this is why I'm, I'm i'm leading us here because i see your life as a parallel to this e-commerce world very well you a you have skill sets and and i always tell people look i don't care where you worked if you were a homemaker you've got huge skill sets more than i have right because you're managing multiple things and minute that minute that kid's sick i'm out you know i'm like oh my god you know i'm you know as a man i can't handle any or if i get sick the man sickness is even worse right you know if i get a cough it's the it's the flu right i'm, I'm in the hospital um at least in my mind right? so it, it but what's cool to me is that you have a very you know, you have a lot of examples of where you're taking skill sets, and now they're all perfect for this world. And so mm-hmm. while it seems easy to you, and you make it easy, and clearly you know what you're doing, um, other people have these skill sets, and they've just got to pull it out and go back to it and say, yeah, you know what, I learned something here. I learned in my journalism degree, or in my, sense, my, in my case, an accounting degree, or I learned um, when I went to business school, right? They taught you business, right? Uh, um, that's what you got to do is pull it out and apply it. And this is very relevant stuff. And you're a perfect example of that. Okay, so we're we're cranking in the software world. We're hanging with the, uh, man, they're getting wild and loose because there was no crash yet. So this is free money time, right, still? Well, it, it, it is. You know, I have to say the software company I work for was, you know, a specialized company. It was an education software company. So you didn't have quite the free and easy things that you would have in the Silicon Valley. You were more uh, leaned toward the education world, even though it was, you know, very creative there. It was a a different type of creativity. Okay, so we're leaning in there, and and what happens? Oh, it was great. I worked there for 21 years. No kidding. Uh, No. It was, I did after, after two years, I went full time because it was a great crew. You know, it was, they're very inclusive, very encouraging. Uh, there was a uh, plenty to do and uh, it had, the company had a good mission. You could buy into it and say, yeah, we're helping kids with education. And so it was a great place to be. And you were encouraged to expand um, your skills and where you could work at the company. It was a small company when I worked there. And uh, it was like 19 people, so you were doing everything. Hmm. And then, then it grew, and I grew, and went to a, a different roles. I finally ended up in, you know, I was doing marketing also there, and we had a annual catalog that I won awards with for that design and creating, you know, leading that process. And finally, I ended up when in R&D as a project manager in R&D and on the executive team. Whoa. So so you got to see that industry evolve, 
Yep. I mean, because it, it changed languages, right, you know, a okay. zillion times. Right. right. It became from the geek design right. to user, you know, user-friendly, um, right, from the old DOS to Windows, right, or, you know, depending if it was Mac. But it, it went to real. So you saw it completely evolve. Again, another parallel to e-commerce, you know. I mean, really. And at this point, are you – are you messing with eBay at all at, at any point during this time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my my first touches with eBay was around uh, 2000, around in there. And you had no fear because you're a computer. Right. Now, no. you, now you're a nerd. I mean, I'm just going to call you. You were officially a nerd. You could have had a shirt that said <laughs> converted nerd. I made it to the nerd squad. But, I mean, you had no fear of computers when they were hard to use. Well, right, and they're getting easier. So that was I was very thankful for that as well. But no, I didn't have any fear of computers. I had, you know, I had like I said, I have my own personal computer since 1983, so it was always in my life, and and it was just a tool that I use on a daily basis. So, and you know, one of the things with computers is experimentation and not being afraid. Just jump in and do it. You can't hurt too much. So, I was able to when. that came. I remember AOL. I was on AOL, you know, all the time, just goofing around and playing games with groups. So you, know, you get involved with that. So what was your first foray into selling? What were you going to sell? Oh well, license plates, of course. Vintage. Oh, wait. So this. Uh, wait. So <laughs> now hold on. So okay. that means we've changed men. Right. Right. Okay. So all right. So somewhere in there, you got remarried. Right. Right. And you met but, a man, and his biggest attraction to you was the size of his license plate collection. Is no, that true? No, I never even knew about his license plate collection. Oh, he, he never told you. Well, he, he told to me, but I, he told me. He may have told me, but, you know, it was meaningless to me. This was like in 1999. I, you know, I, I had no idea. I mean, he, he was. Or about a couple license plates in the garage. That's all. Right. It was just a little hobby. I mean, no it's a hobby, deal. right. We were just getting to know each other and like, oh, great, and. And Normal. once in a while, he would bring me a license plate as a present, you know, kind of like, a, you know, a boy brings a treasure to his new girlfriend, you know, and of course, I looked at it was totally unimpressed. Like, what is this? I'm throwing it away. Bad dude. I like diamonds. Uh, hello. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? So um, how many did he have? I mean, now does he come clean and tell you? I mean, does he ever say, you know, yeah, you thought I had a thousand and I had. 2000 or whatever um well i didn't understand the numbers at those days because it was just too on i didn't even realize that people could have this many things of that type of a thing so i didn't understand that he, he told me that before you know he came when we got together that he that he sold like 10,000 of them so that so at least 10,000 more than what he came with, which was probably thirty thousand. So he, he's whoa, 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 stop here a second. Hold on. Thirty thousand license plates. I'm just trying to envision what that looks like. I'm thinking at it. All right. So if I think of copy paper box, I could probably fit because you got to be careful how you jam them in there. Maybe a twenty. Twenty. Be generous. Twenty boxes. No. no twenty. Twenty plates in a in a box, maybe. Because I know they stack. But they, you know, you don't want to scratch them. You got to put a little something between them. No, no, no. Like not like that at all. Not like that at all. Okay. No, nope. it, it's more like 
shelves and shelves of steel shelves and kind of on these racks and piled up here and piled up there. Um, they're everywhere. They're yeah, they're, right. And was his, his house and his whole, full his of whole license house, plate? yeah, his whole house. He had like um, a four car garage that was he couldn't get a car into, and a whole basement that was full of them. Um, so it was it was that it, that kind of a thing. So did that scare you? I mean, thinking back, I mean, yeah. you know, no, uh, that sounds a little obsessive. Although it sounds like he made money, so it's not a fool. So I don't want to pretend like that. But that does sound a little obsessive. Forty thousand license plates at a given time. That's that's a little obsessive. I I didn't think about it at the time. Ah. Like oh okay whatever you know whatever you're doing right. you're doing I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay, so he brings this to the relationship. Right. Um, and he was was he selling on eBay at that point? No, no, he was selling at uh, club meets, you know, flea markets, car shows, car uh, swap meets. Regional to you, or did he travel? Regional, pretty much, okay. to okay. right okay. here in the Illinois Chicago area. Okay. Once in a while, there's a there's a yearly international convention, and he'll go to that, and that's all over the country. But that's once a year. There's a license plate convention. Yes, I know there is. There is. It's an international oh, collecting convention, and they have a meet in the summer. Usually, it's. They they travel. It could be in California, it could be in Rhode Island, it could be in Chicago, it could be in Ohio. You know, each year it changes. It had to be in Pennsylvania at one point because we only have we have two big car things: car, uh, Carlisle, myself, where I live, car shows, massive car shows, and then Hershey has the antique museum, right. antique auto museum. So lots of people end up there. Yep. Yep. Okay, so uh, he's selling. And right. then you guys get together, mm-hmm. and whose idea was eBay? I mean, was it you staring at 30,000 license plates saying, I've got to do something? Or was it him saying, I need help? Well, it was more like, I, you know, he would tell me that like, he's selling all these things and making money. I'm like, well, I, I said, I didn't believe it. So I wanted to come with him to um, the swap meet. So I went with them. We packed up the uh, the truck and boxes and boxes of plates and a table. And he sets up there and, and guys come up to the table, look through the look through the boxes, find the one they want, and give them money. And this went on all day. Mm. I could not believe it. They were other collectors and uh, car guys. So my marketing mind started thinking, well, you know, you need a sign. You, get, you need to have them at least organized by year. I mean, you have to, like, maybe put a sign in the 1930s or here, the 1940s there. And you could use a tent. And you could use more tables. So I'm start, like, bringing all this uh, stuff. Come on, let's just, let's step this up. We can make even more is, money. Is that the point you knew the relationship was there, was solid? I mean, when he accepted your help? Because for him, he's like, wait, I've been doing it this way yeah, forever. Right. And... I assume he accepted your help, help, hence we're at this other point in life. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty big deal. I mean, to me, you know, you brought something, you you cubed his efforts right? because of your skill set. I mean, that's cool. That's what a good, solid partnership does. I think what happened is, I think he resisted at first because you're right, he'd always done it this way, but then... He's a guy. <laughs> right, and it was his stuff, and he'd always say, "Guys like it being in a mess, and they like you know digging through this stuff." I said, "Well, maybe, but maybe I know that there's some guys that aren't." But anyway, we started making a little bit more money, so he was more open. To so take- your little tweaks 
all of a sudden makes it wait. And when the tent went up and he's like, wait, I don't have to stand in the sun all day. Right. That was that. Hmm. Oh, when it rains, I don't have to cover everything because it's automatically covered. That was that. Hmm. I get it. I mean, I can see why he would think, but not even think about that stuff because he was going to talk about something, his passion. Right. Um, I imagine he, those license plate geeks. Yep. talked about this, you know, oh, you should have seen the one, from, yep. you know, whatever. I can imagine those conversations. Yeah, they relate. do. So, <laughs> so there there was some some uh, wins. So you didn't approach it like, hey, you're doing it wrong. You were just oh. like, hey, I can help you. Right. Absolutely. So there's a big pro tip for relationships, um, uh, marital or, you know, significant others. Also, though, even for business relationships, right? You're approaching it that way. Hmm. Absolutely. That's why women are smarter. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, so uh, we're going and you're enhancing that business. Right. And the light bulb goes on for who? Uh, well, for Tom, my husband's name is Tom. He said, he said to me, you know, cause he goes to the collector's places without me a lot. He said, these, you know, he said, guys are starting to buy this online, you know, on eBay. Maybe, you know, we could try it or what? Uh, okay. We can look at it. So, I looked at it, and I think he was actually buying plates on eBay for his own personal collection. And we thought, well, let's, if, as long as we're selling, let's give it a go. So we got some plates together, uh, figured out what we were supposed to do. This was in, like, 2000, taking the pictures, you know, and dialing up, and all the other things that we were supposed to do, and putting a few of them online, and got an eBay account. We had an eBay account, and they sold they sold. And that was amazing. <laughs> Do you think that he would have gotten there had you not helped him see there were other ways? I mean, thinking of, I mean, maybe eventually, but do you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, he his method, what he's probably used for a zillion years, you enhanced. They saw he saw a benefit, and then all of a sudden, another new idea comes along. This thing called eBay. And maybe this is an opportunity for us. Do you think he could have gotten there as quickly as he did? No, I think, um, well, he's not very technical at all. So he like he could get on eBay and he could buy things, but that was about it. He could not, he could not sell on eBay. He couldn't take a picture. He couldn't upload it. He can't do any of that. So he, but he was great. He under he understood the opportunity because he mm -hmm. brought brought the plates and. It was willing, you know, it started out to be a project with my son, too. They could work on this together and split the profits because my son was kind of a geek like I am. He's more than a geek than I am. And that's how it got started that way. Hmm. I, I, I think this is another one of those pro tips, that moment to sit there and say, if you want to get somewhere, sometimes you don't have to go and jam it down their throat. You can You can lead them there, you know, like any good wife does she leads her husband i know my wife does it i catch her doing it um <laughs> leading me somewhere and it works um, mm -hmm. and so i just think that's a great great lesson there um and so now all of a sudden once you're ex i always say my horizon my hands always go up nobody can see this but once you're expanded right that those those walls are taken down and then you start to see there's bigger world mm -hmm. and it sounds like that's what happened for tom okay so success happens we start to sell license plates to other places maybe even other countries Oh, absolutely. We yeah. I, we do today sell all, all over the world uh, because of eBay. It makes it easy to do that. Um, and even outside of eBay, you know, we've gotten that, that skill set to be able to do that. 
Um, and you have your own uh, your own uh, website. Do you does it actually? Do you actually sell off of that website? No, we use the website more for informational, and then we have the links to our eBay store because that's a great platform, I think, for for what we do. Um, you know, I could double up and put have another store on my website, and but that's you know double the work. To make well, that's a good that. point. So let's talk about that for a second because this issue comes up, <laughs> came up this morning in a discussion with my older son um, about inventory management. I'm all about inventory management, and eBay does not have a good inventory management system, right? No. Or even a, not even really a good third-party system that's I'm designed not, for eBay. I'm not, similar to, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody does, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, one similar on Amazon, they do. I mean, Amazon, you can use an inventory lab or a scan power. Those, they count. You mm-hmm. know, you're putting your cost in. Right. You can do physical reports and stuff like that. Nobody really has – I know there have been attempts at eBay, but it's evolved so much, and, and the old attempts, they're long gone. Mm-hmm. And so I I think about that, you know, and his comment was, Dad, you know, because I've got to figure out inventory because I have a huge eBay store, um, about four times your size, mm-hmm. and we have so much more to add, and it's so to manage it and then think about other platforms. And he's like, by the time you get it over there, is it really worth it, right? And so that was kind of the discussion. Ultimately, driving traffic isn't easy, and eBay does an amazing job at it. I mean, that's that's the reason that you really want to be on eBay, right? It's the marketplace for this type of thing, period. I agree. Right? I agree 100%. It is the marketplace for this type of thing, and they do an amazing job at marketing and bringing customers to my eBay stores. Um, I could duplicate those efforts, but I, it would cost me more money and more time, Um where and your website wouldn't look like this because you wouldn't have the time to keep it looking like this. I mean, this is, this is uh, even your photos. There's intentional. I mean, I can see that there's an intentional. So that's the trade-off, right? You might get more volume, but you probably lose it in sales anyway because it wouldn't look as good, right? And you wouldn't sell as much. Right, and then I would be more crazy trying to keep up with everything. <laughs> so. so being intentional about your business, is that something to do – I mean, again, are we going back to your experience and, and maybe Tom's too, or is it because you're getting older and your time you realize your time is more valuable? Or, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to be uncomfortable here, but I mean, you've you've lost a spouse and he did too, so you realize that life is short. Um, what, what would you say? Because I'm thinking of other people listening and they're thinking, well, wow, I've got to do this, and wait, somebody said I need to do Etsy too, and somebody said, oh, I got to be on Bonanza and Newegg and Oh, God forbid, Sears.com or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I mean? So how do you know, you recognize that there are trade-offs. How do we help others? Well, you know, I, I, I do. I'm, I'm a niche marketer and I stay in my lane. And I think that that really, really helps build my brand. And I'm building my brand. I'm not selling everything, everything I can find. I sell things that stay within my brand Um, and that makes decisions a lot easier because I'm not chasing tails I'm not going around in circles I I I am intentional about what we're going I mean I I go to a state sales like everybody else but I know exactly what I'm buying and what I'm looking for and it's I don't have to like look at everything does it make it easier for you you think it makes it tremendously easier I can talk about what I do I'm sure we've all talked to somebody that's selling on eBay. And what do you sell? Oh, this and that. Well, I sell everything. It doesn't Anything me, I can make a profit on. Right. It doesn't give me a clue about who you are or what your business is. And, and I have, I don't want to go go to your store because I, 
That doesn't, there's nothing compelling there. Uh, I can sell vintage license plates and other vintage man cave collectibles and decor. And, well, that sounds like that's, I, it's easier to talk about. I think people are more interested in that, and I'm more interested in that. But the other thing, I think, I mean, this, I'm going to see if this is true. When you do go to that, um, uh, to that estate sale, because you're looking at antiques, you have a different eye. So you're seeing uh, something that – you know, others would just pass right by, but you're saying, oh, no, that would look good in a man uh, cave or, um, you know, something like that, right? I mean, that, Absolutely. that sharpens your eye. It um, does, and, and hmm. it does sharpen my eye. I It is very laser-focused and also helps me take risks because I, I can't re- – I, I do not research everything before I go because that would be impossible. I don't stand there with my phone and scan things in because, you know, I think that's rude. And I this is my business. I – I see something. I don't know if it's old. I don't know if it's valuable, but I know it, it would look good in my store, so I'll buy it if I get it at the right price, of course. Um, so I have come to a lot of estate sales on the last day and able to pick up some really, really good stuff because other people, you're right, don't necessarily recognize it or don't want it because it doesn't fit in with their this and that. And And, and quite frankly – um, you're at the, when you're at that tail end, you're getting the best prices, period, because it's going to garbage at that right, point, right. right? And so you really have a big advantage. But others would say, but Barb, you're leaving so much on the table because you're missing that early day. Right. You are missing that early day. I do go to early days. Uh, your toes get cold while you're waiting in line you know, to get mm-hmm. into, into the place. So... Uh, and then usually the pri- prices are a little bit too high. I think the collectors or the retail people, you know, go on the first day. The resellers kind of have to go a little later to get better prices. That's my opinion. Um, it's so so good, that's a professional it. tip there, though, right there. I don't want to lose that because I think you're spot on. So you're saying, hey, Steve, by me going the last day, I get the maximum profit a sale as opposed to just making a sale because we've all made those sales where we're barely like, oh, God, I almost broke even. <laughs> it wasn't too bad, uh, Barb. I lost a little bit. That's, I mean, think about all that effort and you didn't make any money. Right, right, right. Right. Or very little money. Right. Yet if you go at that tail end with a different eye because you're so niched. I mean, I think that, you know, as I think about takeaways, whenever I do these things, I always think about takeaways. And your takeaway uh, so far that, I mean, the really one that's driven home is by, by really niching down and staying in it. Um, and I guess that's a discipline thing, too, because um, that's got to be hard. Man, I'm a, I'm a buyer. I'm the guy who buy everything. I'm like, I'll take it all. I mean, what's the price for all of it? Okay, I'll take it all. You know? and, then, and then I got a warehouse full of all, right? I have right. A, a whole section called all, and uh, it's very nice, but it's all. Right, right. right. Um, but that's a real powerful, powerful example of what someone can do. Well, let me ask you this. Why haven't you go all in and go out into Amazon and scan in on Target's end caps? Is that something that interests you in any possible way? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, like going to other stores and doing retail arbitrage? Yeah, and then get arbitrage and then getting in and getting a big Amazon account and and, you know, all that kind of maybe getting a wholesale and then, oh, then we can import from China and bring in private label. Is that not interest you? Uh, well, is that in my niche? Can I can I sell vintage ah, license plates on Amazon? Can I sell my man cave collectibles on Amazon? Well, but then you can't make uh, a living 
if you don't. Is that true? No, that's not true. Because <laughs> you got two people making a living, right? <laughs> right. Well, yes, we do. Uh, I just think it's important for people to hear that because you know that you failed. Barb, you're a failure because you're not selling on Amazon, selling millions. I'm still on eBay. I must not. I must be small potatoes and don't know what I'm doing. Hmm. You don't know what you're doing for how long now? Oh, let's see. We were we sold our first license plate in 2001. Okay, so you don't know what you're doing for 16 years. You better figure it out at some point. I guess so. I guess so. You know, there are some things about Amazon that are interesting. But we have so much time and energy, so I have to put my time and energy where I think it's going to maximize my outcomes um, in financial ways and also in ways that's going to enrich and enhance my life. Enhanced life. Talk about that for a second. You're on your second marriage. He's on his second marriage. Again, I mean, I want to play this up, but it's real. Um, life is short, right? I mean, it is. Absolutely. It is very short. So, you know, we've all done the the, the grindstone, uh, and I'm past that. He's past that. It's more let's let's make the life so that we can enjoy the life. That's what we want to do. Um, I don't need to be working ten, twelve hours a day for somebody else or for Amazon. You know, if I'm going to work ten, twelve hours a day, I'll probably only work six or eight, but it'll be for me. And it'll be doing something you love. And I think that, I mean, it, that's one of the challenges of like a podcast like this, because I'm going to have people who are brand new who are, or ones who are still in their corporate job, just killing it and, and killing themselves every day and just hate it, hate going to work. Right? right. And they see that they hear you and they're like, yeah, I want that. But they don't realize, well, I hope they realize that's why I tell these stories, what it took for you to get here. It was 21 years working at a software company. Uh, uh, right. It was all those years working in journalism. It was going to get that journalism degree. None of these things were easy that have led you to this. You make it easy now, but again, all those things led you here, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's important for people to hear, but they have a story. You know, here's the other thing. How much have you given up, right, um, by living this life, right? You could you, you're not driving Rolls Royces? I don't, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you might have a couple, you, right? I mean, there's a trade-off. There is a trade-off, right. I, I, a, somewhat of a trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not driving Rolls Royces. That is a goal, but we're not there okay, yet. So you, yeah, you, when, then we'll know you made it. Then you're officially <laughs> right. made it. All right, you got to let me know so I can update this when you do get your first Rolls Royce. But it's the truth, though, right? I mean, you do, you do, and it's not like you're settling. Um, you're just like, I mean, hopefully you're the same way we are. It's just like, eh, I'm not, I'm not willing to give what it takes to get that pass. Uh, especially when you have, I, I think it's an age thing, when you have so much stuff. We are, my wife is now making us minimalist, minimalists. She always <laughs> says, Steve, does that glass make you happy? <laughs> and if not, it's gone. I mean, literally, I'll be looking. I'm like, hey, what happened to that glass? You said it didn't make you happy. It's, I'm like, what? Wait. <laughs> now i got to be careful. And I'm always like, why are you asking? Hey, do you like dinner? Wait, why are you asking? I'm very worried about that, right? But it's the truth. You get to a certain point in your life, stuff doesn't matter, right? Um, relationships do, right? Um, you mentioned you have a child. Do you have grandkids? We have three. We have three uh, grandchildren together. They're... Um, teenagers and in college. They're, they're pretty important, aren't they? Mm -hmm, absolutely. 
our whole families are important and we want to be be there and be able to travel when we need to and our families all over the country we want to pick up and go when we can take a and do you? opportunities yeah yeah i go to my mom's in arizona and my son's in san diego i've got a daughter in indianapolis son and so they, they've got to be looking at you like you're pretty hip because here you are you know older and yet you have a business that's running while you're away um, that, you know, is making you money, that you're waking up and that – does the cash register – do you still have it turned on where it rings? I do have it turned on, yes. Oh, you're sick. That's a sickness, <laughs> you know. Uh, but so it's so cool. So when it does, do they look over like, Well, mom's pretty hip, mom's pretty cool. They're like, oh, there's and there you are, go again. <laughs> yeah, I think awesome. so. <laughs> You know, you think about the lessons that you're teaching your kids and your grandkids that, you know, I mean, you did it, you made it in the corporate world and you did that. And then you set your own life. Um, do you think uh, that they're going to set their own life earlier? And if so, do you think you had an influence in that? I. That was a hard one to answer. I. Well, it is hard because, and I don't mean to put you on a spot, but it's like, you know, uh, I'm assuming if you were like me, you know, my boys went to college. Hey, you must go to college, right? Mm -hmm. You must do something, right? That was the way it was because you have to have a skill. You got to be in a competitive world. And now I sit back and my youngest one's going to graduate next year. And I sit back and say, hmm, don't go to work for somebody. Work for 10 people so you can fire whoever you want, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now encouraging them, even though I was the one who pushed them through school to like, my older son, who's a, is a chemical engineer, he's a master's degree, and I'm like, man, he's now working for a consulting company. I'm like, dude, that's the smartest thing you can do because you can kind of choose your clients, you know, and it's right. very – that's so different than what I went into it when I had him start school. I'm like, oh, you must get – because you got to get that good job at that big corporate career and move up the ladder. Right. Now I, I hope he stays – I hope he kicks the ladder out. Um, so I wonder, in your family – have you seen that, and do you feel like you've had some influence in that? Well, I think that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to influence that, you know, right now, um, because moving into that way is risky and hard for some people to think about. So I'm trying to be supportive and trying to show the way, trying to model the way to say mm -hmm. hey, these are other options for you. You don't have to do it A, B, and C. There are other options once you look at those. Um, you don't have to commit to something for a lifetime. <laughs> it's let's try this, let's try that. Well, thinking back to your example of freelancing, right? Mm -hmm. You were trading time for money. Mm -hmm. You said the money was inconsistent, right? Um, so there weren't a lot of options for you. But today, with your eBay business, for example, if you wanted to make more money, do you know how to do it? Well, I think we're all, we're always learning about how to make more money. I think um, there are you know ways to do that. I would think you could just list more, right? I mean, just that was where I was going oh. with it. You could just add, you could multiply your business and, and put all 30,000 of his license plates up for sale, in theory. I, in theory. <laughs> I could, yeah. right? I'm not saying there's not a trade-off. I'm just saying, <laughs> but that option really didn't exist back when you were freelancing, even though you were pushing the envelope back there. You know, freelancing at that time, you were really pushing the envelope. Uh, that was that wasn't, you know, that was a rare, a rarity, not an, you know, a, you were more of an exception than the norm. Right. Um, so I just think now it's a different world. Um, 
And it's I think it's cool that they get to see, especially, I mean, don't get offended by this, but to see a woman doing it. To me, we're back to the story where you were going to be a secretary, right? Or uh, what was the other a option? A gym teacher. Or a gym teacher, right? <laughs> Neither or, one of um, which I wanted to do. <laughs> now they get to see a totally possible, if she wanted to be, independent woman who can set her own hours, who can travel when she wants to, where she wants to. To me, that's like, you know, not even – you know, a guy getting freed from the corporate desk. I mean, this is, you know, the whole world. Um, I just think it's very cool, especially if you have granddaughters. Oh, I think that's, I think they got to be looking at you like, Graham can do it. I can do it. Maybe. I hope so. You know, who I think I'm influencing more is the people that I see on a day-to-day basis, other other women entrepreneurs. Uh, I, I do have, have belong to groups that we support each other. And we can see each other grow and try different things. Um, so I think uh, my influence is more on my peers. Um, we inspire each other and encourage each other and celebrate each other. And they're not all in this e-commerce world? No. No. no now, how did you find this group? I found this group, well, locally. With it, you know, you just um, get involved with a business group, met some people, and got involved with another group and you find your groups that that you gel with you find your people that you're you help each other with and you stick with that and grow um i forget who it was um somebody told me oh i forget who it is massive seller and maybe it's john lawson Mm -hmm. and john lawson said that some of his best ideas come from his non-e-commerce groups he goes in these groups and there's a, you know, a head of surgery and there's somebody else and blah, blah, blah. And they're so oblivious to the world. They ask the most innocent, obvious questions that we all can't see, right? right? Because we're so close to it, right? We know, right. you know, we, you know, uh, and so uh, he just said that that's where a lot of his learning comes from and his, the boundaries that he has imposed and that you and I as friends of his impose they're gone when nobody knows what the heck. What is e-commerce? What the heck does that mean? Do you sell stuff? Oh, okay. And then it just the conversation goes different. So is that the same benefit you get in your groups? You know that that is a huge benefit, and I, I'm going to tell you a story about that. And when I first started on eBay, you know, people have a attitude about people that sell on eBay, and maybe there's a stigma. <laughs> Pardon? There's a stigma. Yeah, there is. So I, I probably kept it on the down low for a while and just said, you know, if anybody asked me what I did, I said, yeah, I kind of sell, you know, it's a good school. Like a drug dealer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. These little license plate things. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. We're doing fine. And I got involved with uh, like some of these other groups and, they're, and they're, they said, well, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Why don't you talk about it? Why don't you say that? Why don't you go and, and speak to this other group about it? Why don't you do this and that? <laughs> well, because, you know, nobody really wants to know about that. Oh, yes, they do. This is like the coolest thing. You you really don't understand how how interesting this sounds. So it took me a long time in this group and other groups like that to realize that what we were doing and what I was doing was something a little special, a little a, a little extraordinary. Um, and so I grew more confident in talking about it and taking pride in it, embracing it and taking pride in it. And did you benefit 
by giving out that information and sharing your story. How, how have you benefited from that? I benefited by growing my, my own self-esteem about what I'm doing, um, about being more public and talking about it in a much more positive way and going out and advertising it and promoting myself this way and becoming proud of what I do. You, I, I, I imagine it's had to happen more than once where somebody's like, Barb, Steve over there's got license plates. I know this guy. His son or the the son called me. Mm-hmm. Got a bunch of stuff. This and there's license plates. Barb. Yep. Barb. <laughs> they do. <laughs> That's awesome. People, but you know, like, again, people bring them like to me. <laughs> well, you said you're you're now having that influence in that circle. Has has anyone taken the plunge and gotten into an eBay or an e-commerce world um, after hearing your story? I uh, am, do encourage some people to give it a go. If um, I have one friend that has her own website, and I said, well, why don't you try Etsy? It's kind of like in that genre, just to, just to get going and to expand your online presence. You know, she was concerned that she had to pay more fees, and she doesn't have to pay them if she sells them off her own website and so forth. So, well... If you can get it out there and just start getting a little bit of an income going, that way it gives you a little bit more freedom and comfort to try try to work on your own website and try other things. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. They were right. You are a good story. Oh, I love it. Okay, so the goal of this podcast um, is to help people move forward, right? And so there, there are two things that I want to close with. One is I want you to help us move forward. I want you to help us, you know, maybe a couple tips or whatever. And I think you've given a whole bunch of them through the whole interview. And then second, if someone has a follow-up question, is there a way that they can get in touch with you? Oh, sure. They can email me if they'd like to. You can uh, me- uh, email me at manager at com, or you can go to my website at com. There's uh, a contact information there. You can go to eBay. Uh, my eBay ID is uh, GoZumi, and my store name is a License Plate Gal. You can message me there. You can message my husband at the License Plate Guy on on eBay. I'll have links for all these <laughs> things. Oh my goodness! You, I mean, it's it's hilarious. But again, you know, let's go back. I mean, I'll start off your your tips. The consistency. Oh my goodness! There's an intentional. Every one of your listings. Every one of your photos are clearly intentional. Absolutely. It's uh, part of uh, part of the brand. And it's also, it is a lot of the brand. We want customers to uh, get used to, know what to expect. This is, they're going to get this information about everything. Um, totally open and, you know, love to communicate with all customers about everything. It makes it easier, doesn't it? I mean, being consistent. It does make it easier. I know what I'm doing. I've got templates built so I can do it efficiently and effectively. I have to keep up with all the technology changes, but that's another challenge. But Yeah, they continue to evolve. But, again, your whole life has been this world. Right, right. So, <laughs> so if there's anybody who's prepared for it, it better be you. <laughs> it is. But, you know, it this impacts everybody, just, just the moment on the technology changes, because I had – uh, a nephew working for me, and he was uh, 18. So I figured, you know, he's good. He's all into it. He brings his own equipment, and does everything. That's great. 
And I told him that we were changing uh, programs and we needed to upgrade to this or that. And he gave me a big sigh and said, what? Why just, you know, we have to change everything? And I thought, wow, here's this 18-year-old being flummoxed by software changes. And I thought that they were all supposed to be into it. And I'm the one that's pushing it. That's fun. Mm -hmm. You get to that full place. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have all that. I'll put all links to all this stuff. Again, I mean, think about, listen to her story, taking pieces all the way along and now has created. I love the niche thing. I love the fact that you can go to a... Uh, an estate sale, you know what it's going to sell for. Therefore, you know what you can pay for it, mm-hmm. right? Because you're so niched, uh, you don't have to scan. And, you know, you just know that a Colorado license plate is going to sell from this year is going to sell for blah, blah, blah. Therefore, here's what I can pay. And if they say less, awesome. And if they say more, now here's what I can do, or then I'm going to walk away. Right. That is... Uh, that is the beauty of being so niched. You don't have to be a walking encyclopedia. No. Um, you need to be a chapter right. of that encyclopedia or one book in that whole series. If Most people won't even know what an encyclopedia <laughs> set is, right? Um, you're just one chapter of one book. Okay, so let's, uh, let's close with helping people move forward. Give me, give me something that you think that uh, will help people benefit and go forward. Uh, take risks. It's, you know, okay, yeah, I do have a niche. I do stay in that lane, but I, I take a lot of risks too. I'm calculated risks, not crazy risks. But if I go out and to an auction and and I'm at a, and I'm seeing some items that maybe are just next to my niche, but not necessarily in it, I'm not quite sure, but I have a feeling about it, I'll invest some time and money in that and buy them and then take them home and learn more about that. And then I could kind of that way I learn how to expand my my niche and my my knowledge of what's right tangential to what I'm selling so I can keep growing that way. Um, If we're saying like I'm going to I'll go and say, okay, I'm going to spend one hundred dollars and maybe on something I'm not quite sure on. And that's not that much. So I think you could go ahead and take take that and call it an education cost. Yeah, intuition. I love it. I mean, I think exactly right. I mean, what's a hundred dollars? Yeah, you know, you can't do that every day and every event, but you tried it. Did it work? You know, you got sixty of it back, Barb, and you realize that this is probably not a good place to go. Right. I think my other, I think my other big advice would be to really invest in yourself. Um, invest in classes, conferences, expand, uh, you know, expand to do platforms. And get that support group. You know, start reaching out outside of where you are. Uh, get get involved with other business groups. You know, we're a real business here. So we're, we can be parts of Chambers of Commerce. So we can be parts of other business growth mastermind groups because we're real businesses too. Uh, and take pride in that and go forward with that and learn from there. So not that secret, oh, yeah, I sell on eBay. Uh, <laughs> you're not talking about that anymore. I love it. Man, this is awesome. I, uh, I'm i so glad that uh, I made it work um, and really uh, came through to really see the full picture of what you do. I just it's, – it's awesome to me, and it's a perfect example of what can be because you chose it that way, mm-hmm. right? Or And in some cases, license plate chose you. It did. However <laughs> uh, – <laughs> I'm telling it, he was hiding them. He's like, oh, yeah, I got a, got a couple. We got a little side hobby. <laughs> and then, boom, he hits you, 30000 <laughs> Wow. 
love that. I, w- I wish I would have heard that conversation. <laughs> what? Eat your eyes. I can run the other way. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. Thank you. I wish you nothing, nothing but success. Thank you, Steve. It was a real pleasure talking with you. Told you it's a cool story. Uh, very cool. Very neat that a guy would allow his new bride to give him help. That's a mature guy. That Again, that's a marriage that's working because, you know what? She brought the skill set, and he's smart to accept it. I love, love, love that story, and I just think that that's what makes a marriage work. That's what makes a relationship. That's what makes a partnership work, quite frankly. And, man, if you can find somebody who can complement what you're doing, accentuate it, you're not going to get one plus one equals two. You're going to be like three or four. It's so cool. Ecommercemomentum.com. Check out my sponsors. Uh, I saw Karen Locker raised her rates. However, the service is unbelievable. Now she's taking more of a brand approach. So if you're thinking about getting to a brand level, that's the smart move. And that's really the smart move. And she can help you with that. And she can help you on multiple platforms now, which is very, very cool. Love what she's doing on Shopify. Ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.